hello. Welcome to The Long Road Podcast. The journey goes ever on with The Long Road. This episode, Woodworm Calling. We have a chat with Stuart Jones, owner and engineer at Woodworm Studios in Banbury, where The Long Road has recorded all of our recent albums and EPs. So this fortnightly podcast from The Long Road is about our music as a band, our writing, stories, anecdotes, interesting people we meet along the way, and who knows what else. So, willkommen, bienvenue, welcome. My name is Chris Lyne, the host of The Long Road Podcast. So, somewhat remarkably, we're still on track. Um, episode 7 uh, of 8 is a chat that I had with Stuart Jones, the owner and engineer at Woodworm Studios, where we've been lucky enough to record most of our recent stuff. Two albums uh, called Reliance and The Girl with a Rattlesnake Heart, uh, uh, and most of the previous releases under Steve Bottom or The Long Road. Uh, an album or two, an EP or two. Um, huge thanks to Stuart for having a chat with me. Um, you'll hear his insights on how to get the most out of your time in the studio. Um, some of his favourite bits from his time with The Long Road and the tracks we've been working on for these two albums. And, perhaps most importantly, what Stuart's favourite cake is. Now keep on listening to find out the answer to that one. Um, there is one more episode of the podcast to come uh, in this first series of eight episodes. So Steve, Kev, John and I will be getting together for some festive fun. Mince pies, mulled wine, inexplicably some Xmas sausages, uh, I don't know. Uh, so no, And no doubt a sing-along or two, so keep your ears out for that one in two weeks' time. Uh, just a quick reminder about some upcoming Long Road and or Steve Bonham solo dates. So Sunday the 9th of December... Uh, this weekend, two days' time, between 6 and 9pm, Steve will be doing a solo live slot on westnorfolkradio.co.uk, so do listen into that. Uh, looking into January, Saturday the 19th of January 2019, uh, half past seven, we'll be um, in Church Broughton in Derbyshire at St Michael and All Angels Church. Um, Friday the 25th of January 2019, we'll be in London um, in King's Cross at the Harrison Pub. And then Saturday, the 26th of January, 2019, uh, we'll be at the Bantock House Cafe in Wolverhampton uh, in the West Midlands. Um, so if you look up Steve Bonham on Facebook, you can find out what um, what the deal is with getting tickets for all of those. Um, but it's enough for me for now. Um, On to the main content for the podcast. Um, so we join the conversation between me and Stuart as I'm asking him um, how things have been going at Woodworm recently. been a busy few well it's been, been a busy month or two actually which has been nice yeah had, um bernie marsden in again oh yeah yeah yeah. uh i've got a another sort of uh folk bands but they're sort of well they say they're youngish they're in their 30s that's that's young in folk isn't it hey, absolutely thumping yeah. tommy's they're called and they're you know they're a good laugh and, yeah great you know again they're doing something which is uh you know they're doing what they want to do rather than sort of trying to pigeonhole themselves i suppose yeah well i mean that's the that's the thing these days there's such there's such a wide um variety for people to find whatever they want to find in music really isn't there it doesn't yes it's, it's i mean the whole the whole thing has changed it's not it's no longer labels just dictating right you need to pump out you know six classic 90s pop songs you know it's it's much more what are artists making um, absolutely and they're trying to find ways to make that you know, get that out to the people that want to hear it. So you've had a, you've had you've had a busy few months at Woodworm. Yeah, it's been it's been good. You know, I've had um, 
uh, yeah, I've, I've had a, a month or so of sort of stuff being tracked, and then the following month, everyone's wanting to come in and get it sort of mixed or or finish off. Yeah, you know the tracking side. It so it's you know it's sort of a snowball thing. Yeah, it's been quite nice. Yeah, that's good because because I knew we were going to be having this chat at some point. Um, having planned it, you don't know this, but I planned this two months ago. But I only I only told you about it a week ago or whatever. <laughs> um, right, <laughs> I was because oh, me and Steve were just thinking, what could we talk about? I thought, well. You know, Stuart can speak, so why don't we speak I, to Stuart for a bit? I, I can, yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I was just fire I was, away. I was just, <laughs> I, I was just thinking back to, um, well, well, I mean, the, when I first heard about Woodworm, because uh, I think I think I might have spoken about about it on the podcast before, but Steve and Tim, our old friend Tim Gadsby from years ago, they yep. they were recording together in Woodworm. Oh, I mean. I think it would have been early, early mid eighties, I guess. So thirty, yep. thirty-five years ago. So it was, and and actually, I've still got. I mean, Steve's still got. We've got the, the actual recordings there. You know, the the vinyl from the, from those days. There are some tapes knocking about as well. And right, um, yeah. I remember when me and Steve started making, uh, making music together. Like I say, almost almost twenty years ago, eighteen years ago, I think was when we first actually started. But I yep. remember pretty soon on, Steve had mentioned. This hallowed ground, Woodworm Studios, <laughs> and he was saying, "Oh, it'd be great to go back to Woodworm Studios and do some more recordings." And he's in this, in our in our old little sort of we used to call it the chicken shed, this the little hut at the back of at the bottom of Steve's garden where we used to record. He had this yep. picture of um, of Steve and Tim in what I then what I found out to be the the, the old control room at Woodworm, and this pot of uh, it was what do you call it a potty. Um, of oh, cigar butts next yes. to them, and just the room was filled with smoke. And Steve and Tim looking a bit bleary eyed, trying to look like they know what they're doing with the mixing desk. And I, I don't know, I, I don't know, maybe it was, I don't think it was Peggy, it must have been maybe it was Mark or something like that who was actually running the I desk. Know, I, I thought it might have been Peggy, but there again, I may be wrong, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. But certainly, Peggy was involved with their, um, with their, you know, their recordings down there, um, yes. And and then you know it would have been I guess two thousand and four I guess it would have been when um, we'd heard that Woodworm was going to be sold and it was going and Steve's dream of going back to record at Woodworm was uh, was crumbling around him and I thought well I, I, me. and and at that time I thought oh it was a shame we were to get there because I'd heard about this beautiful place and some of the stories um, but then I can't and I, and I can't how long have, how long have we been coming to you now I can't remember. Oh my god! Um, it's got to be at least five years, I should think. I mean, I well, I took over the place uh, probably about six or seven years ago. Yeah, and I think you and or certainly Steve got in touch with me very shortly after I sort of reopened it. After yeah, I, you know, refurb the place, and um, yeah, and sort of basically made inquiries and and made a booking. Yeah, sort of pretty much then. So. Yeah, it's been a fair while. You're one of my longest clients, I must admit. Here, yeah. at Woodworm. Well, it, you but, know, in uh, terms of in, in terms of spiritual clients, they've been going there for forty years. I mean, I'm only uh, yes, I've, I've only been going for five years, but I feel like I've been going for fifteen. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sometimes it feels like that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, how did so how did it come about that you that you came to own Woodworm? Then, how did that all? I've, well, I mean, I because I used to do an awful lot of touring and and live sound engineering um and i used to do the balance was more live stuff rather than recording yeah yeah so uh and then i had my daughter 
um, and I thought, and I was getting more and more work in the states and, and for longer periods of time. Yeah, and it just got to the point where I didn't want to obviously miss my daughter growing up and just you know being away in a, yeah, in yeah. a van for the rest of my life. So uh, I made the jump into sort of concentrating more on the recording and found this place. Didn't realise it used to be Peggy's place because the um, the previous owner had got change of use to turn it into a house. Oh, God, so really? The, oh, wow. So, yeah, the studio had almost been wiped out of, of you know, everyone's mind because, obviously, it it was, you know, basically going to become an, a, a house, you know, refurbished mm. and and get rid of everything. So, um, and then it was only when I actually saw it and realised, uh, you know, it could work as a, a, a studio and everything else, and obviously it had been a studio, uh, although everything had sort of gone by then. So, yeah, well, I um, remember that. I mean, that's one of the things that I remember from back in the day was when Steve was saying that it was going, that all the bits and bobs were up for sale. And me, and Steve was saying, oh, is there anything we should have a look at, at you know, getting mm-hmm. hold of, rather than it just, you know, being put on, I don't know, was eBay around back then? I don't maybe it was, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was, I, think, I think a lot of it was sold on eBay. Yeah. Um, um, but, you know, to... to uh, you know, the fact that all of it got sold meant I had to start again, but I think that's sort of to its benefit, really, because I've, I've been able to sort of modernise it and bring in all sort of, uh, I say, new gear. A lot of it's modelled on vintage, or is vintage gear, or you know, yeah, vintage yeah. designs. So, uh, yeah, like all the outboard stuff is, you know, it's been around for, for decades. Um, and, yeah, you know, I was able to actually create a studio which fit me rather than sort of settling for what was, you know, left over yeah. and trying to make it work that way. I was able Essentially to... somebody else's that you were just having to make do yeah. with. You could, yeah, yeah. Make, it, make it your own. I could yeah. just customise it to, to exactly what I wanted. And I wanted to make it a, a nice studio to complement the room because it's, it's well, a great room. Well, exactly. It's, so... a, be- it's a beautiful place. And it's what the, it's, if, so if, if anyone asks me for a recommendation of studios in the UK, I mean, even regardless of where they're from, I say, look, Go, go to Banbury. There's this place called Woodworm, and it's beautiful, and you'll have a great time. And Stuart awesome. knows, and Stuart knows what he's doing, which is always good. It's yes. not, you know, because <laughs> you'll get you'll get some people that will talk the talk, but you actually, if you've got a nice, you know, you've got a beautiful space, good, great gear, and someone who knows how to use it, normally you only get sort of two of the three. <laughs> yes. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's there to. It's there to to service the client and their requirements and get the best out of yeah. out of them and you know it complements the room well all the gear and um, it's got that vibe and you know bands feed off it I think you know yeah. it's got that historic sort of I mean I wouldn't say go as far as to say it's like Abbey Road sort of but you know it's got a lot of history well but for, for some I mean for some people we haven't we haven't you know we talked about peggy but you know fairport convention that was that they're they're, they're still a, a big name in the whole in the industry yes. aren't they so some people would say that you know as, yeah, as much as abbey, abbey road might be you know the beatles and all that stuff but for woodworm for fairports you know there's there's they're still still going today aren't they somehow absolutely <laughs> and and obviously jethro toll as well because you know he recorded here quite a lot when peggy yeah was, um, yeah in charge, so uh, yeah, you know, and obviously Fairport still, co- you know, they still come back and they still use the place to this day. You know, sort of recording albums. The last, I think, the last two albums were done here, and they were always back rehearsing mm. stuff like that for their tours and, mm. and property. So, yes, they've they've been great. You know, they've really supported me, and and you know, 
they really want to see the studio succeed because obviously it's something they've built up and they're I think they're quite chuffed that someone's taken it on and yeah. and wants to carry it on. Although I didn't know the connection at the time when I actually bought the place. It was only sort of the run up to when we actually got the place or just after that I realised oh it was Fairports. <laughs> <laughs> You yeah. know, and then you sort of like feel a bit of a fool, but you know, it's because it was so. Uh, I think they wanted to almost keep the studio side of things down because obviously they wanted to move on and turn it into a house, so I think yeah. that side of it was sort of kept quite quiet, yeah. But hey, but hey, well, look, luckily you managed to, you know, find it out and get it get it up and running again. It's, it's great, absolutely, and yeah, what, totally. And what, uh, so going back a bit because you know, we've been working together for. Whatever it is, five years or whatever. But what what were your, what was your what were your music what are your musical tastes normally? What's what's your own history of making music? Well, I mean, I must admit, I mean, Americana's sort of uh, one of the first bands I sort of toured with and toured for quite a while was a band called um, Gold Rush, who they were quite an Americana sort of sound and stuff like that, and they were called Whispering Bob, mm. of, and then they became Gold Rush, and then um, I went. It, Another band was a um, a silent film, and they were very electronic, almost like oh, yeah. electronic stuff. And they sort of they were doing quite a lot in in the states. Um, and I'd sort of you know uh, Garth Hudson and and stuff like that. You know, work with him. Uh, also, um, Edwin Starr, <laughs> which is yeah. like the highlight. <laughs> Amazing war and all that. Amazing. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, you sort of. A lot of bands that I've worked with, all genres of music, and it's kind of, I, I don't mind any genre. I'm I'm quite partial at the moment to sort of like uh, R&B and sort of like blues and stuff like mm. that, because I'm getting quite a lot of that coming through, but it's it's more of the traditional R&B yeah, and yeah, blues yeah. and stuff like that, as opposed to the modern stuff, and it's, it's a great opportunity to experiment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and use the rooms to their full pot- the full potential, as it were. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and using sort of very stripped down mic techniques. You know, trying to get it as a band and sort of like capturing the band rather than sort of like, you know, trying to put too much emphasis on oh I'm using this these mics and that and stuff. Like that. It's it's all about capturing the band and and the performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The technicality of it all. Yeah. Well, I think I think I think some people want to, they almost want to sort of show off the the, the technicality rather than worrying about the, the exactly the mu- musicality yeah. of it. And actually, that's one of the things that we're, certainly we've noticed over the years is that you're you get on board with the musicality of it, whatever absolutely you know. And if that's if if, if and and experimentation as well, so sort of trying you know trying a different layout or trying a different room, things like that, or trying a different mic setup. But actually, it's to it's to serve the the music, not to not to show how you know flashy or knowledgeable anybody is it's just to go well let's let's try and get the the right sound for telling this particular story and that i think that's one of the reasons that we've sort of managed to click so well is that straight away you could see that absolutely i mean i'm baffled to be fair to 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 one to i mean i do know there's an awful lot of people out there who do or they'll try and tailor it to how they produce you know they might Mm. have a a specific way of production and then they will um you know sort of push that onto the bands Rather than actually listening to the bands and trying to yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And capture what they're all about, yeah, know? which I think I've always, you know it's always I think it stems from the live thing because you don't actually really have that much 
time, unless there's a band you're touring with and stuff like that, you can yeah. mould them to, to sort of just, you know, work within that live environment. Mm. But it's still all about the personalities on stage and getting that across. And I think that's sort of very important in, in the recording studio, you know. And yeah. It's easily sort of wiped out by editing and, you know, trying to do this, that and the other. And, yeah. and yeah, it doesn't make sense. You've yeah. got to try and capture that sound of that song and how it works. And nine times out of ten, the sound comes from the musicians, not from what I'm doing or... Well, there, there, there was one. There was definitely one instance, Stuart, when you you absolutely managed to read my mind, and I don't think I could have put into words how <laughs> how to describe what I because in, in the new in the track that it was one. I remember it would have been I don't know like seven or eight months ago. Me and Steve yep. had been in recording, and we put down a few uh, sort of bass, um, a few sort of um, what's the word like guide tracks for some things. But then there yes. was a session where I wasn't there, and it was just Kevin Steve. And I came back to it I don't know, a month later or whatever, and they'd started the, like three or four new songs. I think that was the point when we realised we're going to do two albums, not one. But there was a new <laughs> there was a new song which I hadn't really heard much of before, which has become yep. you know it's got a bunch of views on YouTube and all these American reviewers seem to love it. Girl with rattlesnake heart, and yes. there was well, there was one <laughs> there was just one bit in the middle of it where um, instinctively Kevin Steve would put this gap. They was a little you know, a little hiatus in the action um, and getting back out from that hiatus into the action again. And in my head, I could hear this sound. And and, 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 and I'm sure I'm misremembering this, but I'm sure there was one one lunchtime or something where I just looked at you and there's this gap, there's that gap, Stuart, like, what are we going to do about it? And you said, give me 15 <laughs> minutes. And, and you called us back up and you said, right, have a listen to this, guys. See what you think. And it, you just read my mind. It was just, it was brilliant. And it's just one of my favourite bits in the, in you know, in, in all the albums. But you know, in particular, that that bit, it's just absolutely. It's a, it's a turn up moment, isn't it? You're sort of like, oh, I have to turn yeah, up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love it. I'm going to put you on the spot here, Stuart. If you had to pick your favourite long road track, what would it be? Um, well, I must admit, I think I think the one I loved before. Oh yeah. That one worked so well in every single aspect in terms of sort of like the the arrangement, yeah. the performances and the, the backing vocals, you know, we, we had yeah, yeah, a yeah. huge amount of fun doing it and you can <laughs> <Yeah>. hear it. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it just sort of all seemed to come together so quickly. It's one of those tracks, you know, some tracks you have to work on or some tracks is, they are sort of what they are. But with that one, it just sort of seemed to evolve together, and, yeah. and just took it on its own sort of life. But and I know, think it was great fun. I think that was one of those ones where actually Steve wasn't there for a bit and it was just me and Kev for a, for a day or two, wasn't it? And we, yes. you know, and we thought, right, well, we haven't quite written an opera, but we're going to bloody well give it a go. Absolutely. And, and yeah, and I, I agree. I mean, I, I say the girl Rattlesnake Heart is one of my favourites. I mean, there, it's one of my favourites. There are... There's bits from all of them where I, I just think that, that's such, you know, and it's it's not that it's any one, it's not just, you know, one person's grand scheme, grand ideas that they're executing. It's very much, it's a really collaborative process. Um, and for all of us, and, you know, if it, there's always these jokes about being the fifth Beatle. I think, Stuart, you'd be the fifth Long Road member. <laughs> without without a shadow of a doubt, you're, you're up there. Um, oh. When it comes to mixing and stuff, that is a... It's a very musical thing. Yeah. And, you know, you've got to move faders and you've got to get it sort of to work. And you've got to have a feel for stuff. You can't... As much as you can read books about mixing and, you know, read all the all the articles on the internet, you've still got to, you've still got to have a sense of of the the storytelling and the emotion behind it. You can't just... Absolutely. You know, you can't just yeah, push yeah. buttons and hope that... You can't just tell Pro Tools or whatever, right, make this sound good. 
You've yeah. got to, you know, you've got to know what you're doing. Um, Absolutely. Well, I think sometimes in some respects, it's it's you know a good engineer knows how to get a good sound, and you know knows how to sort of the gear and equipment to to be able to you know achieve it. Mm. And I think you know really good engineers are the ones who know when not to use it. Do you know what I mean? They just yeah. allow the band to just play yeah. and you know that sound to come through without sort of trying to have too much influence on it or or you know having the the, the confidence to just let it happen do you know what i mean yeah Th- thinking back to our good friend kev now yeah. cause when i mentioned we were we were hoping to have this chat for the podcast mm-hmm. he, he sent me two very specific <laughs> two very specific questions for you so i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna read out the first i've got it written down here i'm gonna read out the first one for you and okay. um, hopefully you'll have a uh, an answer for me so it's, it, it starts off not really a question. Talk about the difference in approaches between capturing organic instruments and arrangements compared to processed electronic stuff. Is there a paradox in using the tech of the instrument that is the mixing desk to maximise the real of the performance? How do you respond to this, Stuart Jones? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like he's accusing you of something there, doesn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> I, you know, uh, well, I think if it benefits the song, um, you know, so, for example, using... Uh, like triggered drums or or something like that, you know. I mean, I'm all up for for doing that sort of thing yeah. if, it, if it benefits the song and it moves it into a different place. And so it's just when someone just homogenizes something into a particular genre by using a particular sound for drums and a particular sound for keys or whatever, and it just, yeah. you know. It, Again, you start losing the personality. It yeah, I think that word you use there, homogenise, is the right word, and everything just starts sounding the same, doesn't it? And it's absolutely. It's where's where's yeah, the interest yeah. in that? You you know. Yeah, human. I mean that's the thing with Steve's stuff is you know you've got certainly with you know this last release with the two albums, the double album, you've got one which is very sort of quite grandiose and sort of large sounding. Yeah, and stuff, yeah. And then you've got the other one which is just very much more. Uh, a folk band yeah simple you know, simple and acoustic, acoustic. and yeah, yeah straightforward absolutely yeah um and you know it's being able to just sort of you know play through those different sort of types of music and, mm. and just you know the personality is still there you can still identify even though they might be completely different in terms of style and everything like that you can still hear the personality and, and yeah. who's you know playing it and singing it so yeah, yeah you know i mean Making electronic music and stuff like that sort of more human, I suppose. Um, it's down to just, I think, uh, it's always down, I think, almost to just the vocals, the top line, you know, mm. getting that to work. It doesn't matter what they're singing to. Yeah. As long as it's got that emotional content from the vocals. Yeah. That's what matters, yeah. you know. And on I to hope that answers that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it will. I mean, Kev, Kev will be listening intensely and will be writing down every word. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> now, that leads us on to uh, Kev's very very specific second question, which right. now now I think about it is actually um, it all makes sense because a, a feature of of our time at Woodworm certainly has been, as Kev puts it, the tray of comestibles, the yes. the, the, the ever replenishing tray of normal normally McVitie's gold biscuits um uh, and not much else really <laughs> i suppose <laughs> continuing continuous flow of tea but that yes, absolutely con- tea tea and mcgritty's gold perhaps a penguin or a, or a um oh god what's the other one kit kat they were sometimes on on there oh, yeah Kit Kats. mainly yeah, mcgritty's yeah. gold but but kev's main now this is the the whole this is this is going to be held up as the 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 
the centre of a journalistic foray here is, what's your favourite sort of cake? Ooh. <laughs> I've got two. Can You've I got two? two? You can have two, that's fine. I've yeah. got two. Yeah. One I can eat, and the other one I don't think anyone's allowed to eat anymore. I think it's been outlawed. Right. So the first one is, I do like a good fruit cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially came up to Christmas. Yeah, um, tis the know, season. Money. But the other one is lardy cake. Oh my god! It's basically basically just butter, isn't it? Yes, it's butter with some currants in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, to be, I, I could get on board with that. I think, yeah, I think lardy cake's definitely still a thing. You can get hold of that. Um, oh, it's awesome, awesome stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now here's a chance for you to, if you want to, to plug 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 your plug your studio, plug your oh, work. Oh, okay, yeah. And if you had, and and is this is a, if you had top three top three tips for people if they were going to come into the studio. Either right. your, your studio or particular studio or, or any studio. What would your top three tips be for getting the best out of your time in a in a studio? Wow. Well, I th- I think the first one's pretty obvious, and that's to rehearse and be prepared. Yeah. And you know that's not like taking, uh, you know, a day or a couple of days before you go into recording and just play through them and say, oh, that's that's you know that's good enough. I think you've got to unless you know everyone else's parts. And almost to the point of playing it, you know, I hate to say to the point of being, you know, boredom. Yeah. But it's it's got to be to the point where you're able to anticipate everyone else's parts and stuff like that. Yeah. Then then you're sort of ready to go into the studio because as soon as the red light goes on, people get, you know, they can get a bit nervous and stuff like that, which is, you know, you're not playing, well, unless you go to a studio which is equipped with uh, tape machines, you're not paying for tape. Yeah. You know, there's no reason to feel nervous because you know you sort of relax into it and you know that's the best way to get the takes but i think if you're not prepared then that's just gonna make things that much worse yeah you're just you're never gonna settle in and and so you can never be more you know too rehearsed i mean back in the day people you know certain bands would have been out 200 300 250 dates a year you know on tours and they had all that time to write and sort of perform their tracks. And they, this is why people say, well, you know, such and such went into the studio and they recorded an album in a, a week. A week or, or whatever, yeah, yeah. Yes, but that's because... Because they were doing they it day in, day out. out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and it makes a big difference because, you know, I find it, I know it's difficult now for a lot of bands. You know, they have to hold down jobs. You don't have the advances and the money and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. record labels anymore. So, you know, rehearsing and gigging is you know quite a, an ordeal to organize and stuff like that um around all the other commitments so you know i mean rehearsing and yeah obviously getting out and playing the the, the stuff live to make sure that people uh how they react to it yeah, yeah they yeah. like it or don't yeah. like it you know um you know some of the tracks that people come in here and say you know we're not sure about this one they can sometimes be the one that everyone loves yeah you know, yeah, yeah. You never know. Sometimes that's the thing, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. You know. So I suppose that's important. Being prepared. I mean, I was. I, I would say that's one, two, and three. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, it probably does cover it, doesn't it? Because that's you know, it's such an integral part of it that you, pe- yes. people people could piss away thousands of pounds on studio time uh, and still not get a a good product out of it if they if if they're you know pumping in. Uh, as an old fr- an old friend of mine would say, you garbage in, garbage out. You know. Yes, absolutely. You know. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't polish a turd, as I say, but you can sprinkle it in glitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh... And you've got some wonderful glitter machines down there, Stuart. As <laughs> oh, well, as well, much. we know. <laughs> right, go on. Tell everyone your website and all that stuff. How, if they want to come and have a great few days recording at Woodworm, what do they do? Right, okay. So um, you can find us on the web, on on your on to, interweb. Interwebs. On, uh, yeah, woodwormstudios.co.uk. Um, um, or email me on, on info at woodwormstudios.co.uk and uh, yeah, you know, do get in touch. Um, we can cater for most, if not all, sort of like uh, uh, bands and, and we've got accommodation so people can obviously stay. So, you know, I, if distance... I have to thing, say that is, that is one of the great charms of Woodworm Studios is that the accommodation is right next door. So you, I you so you, we, we, I mean, we we roll out of bed and into the studio. It's just brilliant. Um, yes, and there's a there's a great curry. There's a great uh, Indian restaurant in. Uh, our, what, a, what, what's the village called around the corner? Uh, in De- Deddington. Deddington. Yes. Yeah. Bengal spice, bless them. Um, <laughs> and we've also got the pub up the road, which is uh, does food and you know sort of uh, they've got B and B and stuff like that. So if you yeah. know you've got. You know, a few people to come down because obviously we can accommodate for sort of six or seven people tops. But you know, if you've got more people, then there's plenty of B and Bs around the place and accommodation. So we, you know, we can normally. And I haven't had a problem yet yeah. with uh, accommodating people, people and stuff them, like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, like so, I say, uh, from, from our point of view, Woodworm comes highly, highly recommended to anybody who who cares to, to listen, and occasionally oh, sometimes awesome. people that don't care to listen as well. Uh, you know. <laughs> Oh, thank you very much. And, and, and I, don't, I don't know when our next album is going to be recorded there, but you know, knowing us, it won't be too long. <laughs> I've got a feeling, and I'd imagine it'll be a triple album this one, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, once again, huge thanks to Stuart for his time and insights. Uh, and yes, a triple album, perhaps. Who knows with Steve? Um, that's a wrap for this week's podcast. Uh, to our listeners all over the world, thank you so much for joining us once again. Episode eight, the final episode of the Long Road Podcast Series One. Uh, that rather implies there might be a series two, doesn't it? Um, so, that will be released in two weeks' time. Episode eight will be released in two weeks' time, not series two. Series two, I don't know when that is. So, episode eight out on Friday, the 21st of December, 2018 when The Long Road will be having their Xmas get-together. So, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. You can listen to past episodes from The Long Road on vagabondphilosopher.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter, um, at Steve Bonham. Steve, I'm on Das Chris Lydon. That's L-Y-D-O-N. Uh, Kev is on More Music Biz. Now, not, now, for the last few weeks I've been saying just more music, so forgive me for all these weeks, Kev. More Music Biz. So M-O-O-R-E, Music Biz, B-I-Z. Um, and John's not on Twitter yet. Uh, look for Steve Bonham on Facebook to connect with us on there, and you can see our videos and links to reviews and other things and bits of bobs. Um, have a listen to full tracks from the albums on Spotify. Uh, you can buy the complete albums um, from vagamonphilosopher.com along with Steve's book, A Beautiful Broken Dream. And remember, if you buy the book, you get a code that gets you 10 free track downloads uh, so you can build your own album. And you get to give a friend a code that gives them 10 free track downloads too. Thanks once again for listening, and the journey with the long road continues in a couple of weeks. Bye for now. Bye for now.